0: Lord, by your word, let your spirit live in us, so that we may know how to heal one another. Amen. Amen. Good morning. It is a big lesson today. We've got Ezekiel. We've got bones rattling. We've got people rising from the dead. It is a big morning. So before we dive into the gospel, what I'd like to do is step back a little bit and get into what we often think of when we think of life and death, and that is about time. About how much time we have to live on this planet, how much time we have with each other. Now, for me, my personal experience of time is that last week I was 27. <laughs> Next week, if I'm 78, I'm going to be upset and anxious. That's where you come in. <laughs> so, how do we think of time? You know, when people fall in love, time stands still. It's a wonderful time, and you want to hold on and keep it lasting. Whenever you fall into love, you know, everybody, I don't care if you're 14 or, you know, 47, you fall in love, and this is forever, always forever. It's sweet, it's delicious, and it's just suspended in the glory of the Lord, and you just want to hold on to it. There's a wonderful book named uh, Einstein's Dreams, written by Alan Lightman, and it's a series of short stories that uh, kind of express Albert Einstein's theory of time. And one of my favorite stories, the most impressionable stories, is a story about a village where in the center of the village, time stands still. And so young lovers would approach the center of First they would hold hands and then they'd put their arm around each other and soon by the time they got in the center of town they were kissing. They loved to stand still in each other's love. And then of course as the farther you got away from the center of town there's more chaos and the more crazy things got. So time, how do you live with time? There's a movie out. It's called Limitless. It's about a man who has a magic pill and when he takes this magic pill he knows everything his brain is alive he can remember things from college he can learn languages in a few hours he can learn to play the piano immediately he comes alive now for most of us who have this kind of capacity us i say most of us who have this kind of capacity we would think of doing good in the world but lo this young man mostly thinks of using his ability to speak vietnamese and italian and Croatian to pick up girls and then he learns he can do wonderful things on Wall Street and then he gets into trouble and then he becomes smart enough to realize that this wisdom he has, this instant wisdom, he wants more time to figure out how to solve the world's problems. So now the movie starts, of, well, the movie goes on to find out how does he solve the world's problems and he wants more time. So some of you might be that kind of person who has a to-do list and you want more time to solve your to-do list. You want more time in the world. However, most of us, when it comes to life and death, we want more time with those we love. I know oftentimes when we think of someone dying, we think of the resurrection, we think of being able to see our family members again. And I am one of those people. I look forward to seeing my father again, my brother again, my mother again, my nephew. To see those who have died before us again and to live. And it's kind of odd, though, because we think of it as rather like a, a, after we die and we go to heaven or paradise or whatever, that it's kind of one big family picnic. And we're kind of suspended there in a, a reasonable age, you know, I don't know, wherever we think we like ourselves the most. That's where we are in heaven, and we live with everyone, forever, suspended in a family picnic. But that's not what Jesus is about. John is telling us about Jesus and about how we can follow Jesus. So, remember, John is writing after the resurrection, after Jairus' daughter is raised, after Lazarus is raised... John is compiling a record of the life of Jesus for us for our edification so we know how to follow Jesus. So what do we learn from this story about following Jesus? We already are confident about the resurrection. We're already we know that the Lord has the word on life and death. So how how is this story telling us something new about how to follow Jesus? I suggest to you that we need to look at it who's who are the characters mary and martha and lazarus now we know mary and martha we've seen them before in some of the stories i am quite sure that martha is the older sister hmm. because i'm a younger sister i know these guys. it's Mar- martha is the older sister in the other stories we know martha comes out and says jesus would you ha- have her come help me in the kitchen No, Mary's chosen the other part. But Martha gets up in Jesus' face. Martha talks to Jesus. She interacts with Jesus. She engages Jesus. This is very unusual for a woman of this time. Very unusual for Mary and Martha not to have a father around, not to have children around, not to have husbands around. Mary and Martha only have their brother. In this culture, in this day and age, women don't talk back to teachers. Women don't talk back to men. They don't speak up like this. They, don't, they, they are married. They have children. They have grandfathers. They, they live in a community, but not Mary and Martha. They're on the edge. This is a story about Jesus coming to some people who are in a very vulnerable state. Mary and Martha, yes, they love Jesus, they follow him, and oh my gosh, he is our powerful friend. We know him, our brother is dying. Our brother is our last lifeline. If the brother dies, what will happen to us, Mary? Martha, where are we gonna go? What's gonna happen? So Mary and Martha taking care of their brother Lazarus, it's a difficult situation. Go, quick, go get Jesus. Tell Jesus to come, because if Jesus comes, he can raise him up and he can heal him. Because after all we know, he's healed Jairus' daughter and the leper and the blind man. We know Jesus can heal him. Go, quick. Go get him. He's not far. And so as Mary and Martha take care for their brother and the time is running out, where is he? For those of you who have been in a hospital and been with someone who's dying, you know emotions run high. You know, you snap at the doctors and you snap at the nurses and you snap at your family members and you, you, want, you want something to happen now. Don't be late. You don't want the doctor to be late. You don't want the nurse to. You don't want anything to let you. You're on edge. Mary and Martha are upset that their friend, their powerful friend, their only hope, has not arrived. And this is the story that Jesus arrived. Jesus is showing us how to be with the people who are on the margin, how to be with the people who are vulnerable, how to be with people whose heart is broken. When he arrives, it's Martha. Lord,
1: you know that you know
0: that brokenheartedness when you're just resigned and nothing's going to help? Where were you? And you sink in your heart and your heart is heavy. And he's like, where were you? You know, yeah, I know the resurrection. Yeah, I know, I know, but what? Don't you love us? Don't you want us to sustain and be, be alive with your disciples and here? And Jesus says, don't worry. Really, it's okay. So then Martha knows there's something up. There's something, you know, she's been heard. Jesus is here. Something's going to happen. So she goes and gets Mary. Mary, come on. And Mary is still angry, still annoyed, still upset. Where were you? Where were you? She's angry, viscerally angry. And it says that one of the marvelous things about the story of John is that Jesus weeps. Jesus is greatly disturbed. The language in this story is just like the language in Gethsemane. He is disturbed, he is weeping, he is comforting the broken hearted. Now my guess is most people in here have had a broken heart at some time in their life. When you have a broken heart, it's done, it's over, your heart is broken. And it takes someone to have complete compassion for you, to have complete understanding of that pain. And when someone gets it like that, when someone knows your brokenheartedness, then you kind of lift your head up again and go, "Okay, we can move on. That's how we follow Jesus. We follow him right to the heart of the brokenheartedness, right to the great despair these women who know that they are now sinners in that way that sin is the chaos of the world the poverty that they live in the chaos that they live in they're now even farther out on the margin of it and jesus is still their friend and still hears it and still listens and says it's going to be okay and so in his tears he walks to the cave he walks to the stench he walks into the pain of their brokenheartedness And calls Lazarus out. Now it's not that things just go better. It's not that, okay, now everything's resumed. It's not just a reboot or a reset. Lazarus is alive. Jesus has come late. Jesus has come after the fact. Jesus has come in compassion to these two women. And has raised their only sustenance in their life. Their brother. The one who holds the family together. He brings them out of death And restores the family. And not like the family is going to just go on like it used to be. But the family can now be a witness to God's glory. Can be a witness to God's reverence. Can be a witness to the intimate friendship that Christ has for us. And that is where we follow Jesus. This is not permission to be late. This is not permission to... To make it all right so nothing is different. This is permission to follow Jesus and transform brokenheartedness. When we are broken, it hurts. And you and I are filled with the Spirit. You and I are the ones that can reach out to someone and heal their brokenheartedness. None of this polite, oh someone died, I'm not going to visit them because they need to be alone. No. You carry the Spirit, you go visit them, and you help heal their broken heart. That's what we're called to do. That's what, as disciples, we are here for. And that's what John wants us to hear in the story of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. A family's transformed. A family that would be cast on the outcast of society after this event is now brought back in. All the untouchableness of being near the the dead body, being near the cave. Jesus breaks through all that, heals and restores the family, calls them back together. Yes, I am your friend, and I will be with you. This is a story about what to do with the Spirit after the Pentecost. This is a story about how we follow Jesus. This is what we do. This is who we are. It's about reverence of God, and it's about friendship. A deep, intimate friendship that we are to have with one another. Yes, intimate enough to break through each other's tears. A reverence and a friendship. Amen. This has been a sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing, welcoming community for those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You can reach us by phone at 415-388-1907.